0: How do children's authors build strong book businesses and grow their impact? By hanging out with Lori here on The Writer's Way. Hello again, my friends. How is everybody here on day five of the Indie Author Income Accelerator? I'm so excited. (sighs) I get so excited and then I have to calm myself down. Okay, so today we're actually going to talk about how you nurture your new friends, what the strategy is. Uh, which is, I guess, marketing speak for what you do with people once they get on your email list. But before we talk about that, we have to talk about getting them onto your email list, right? So we have to talk about the lead magnet or if you want to call it a freebie or if you want to talk, call it an opt-in or if you want to call it a giveaway. All those things mean the same thing, but it's your, your ethical bribe that you're offering to people to get their email address, right? So let's be honest with each other what's on your hard drive right now? <laughs> I'm guessing it's just like mine and there's a lot of digital garbage, right? A lot of the freebies that we think we want so badly just end up gathering um, metaphorical dust in our computers because we forget about them or because they're too big to consume. Like how many people read eBooks on their computers, right? Um, now, if you think about all the stuff you have on your hard drive. And then you think about putting something out there into the world that you're going to encourage people to buy. It might make you feel a little bit cringy, right? But there's a fairly simple solution to that. And it's just make something that people will actually use (laughs) and it will be useful to them. And so a lot of people automatically think it has to be bigger and better, but the opposite is actually true. Often these things don't get used or consumed or looked at again because they're too big right um ebooks even if they're short ebooks i mean how many of you actually read all those ebooks that are on your computer they have to be really really good So we're going to have to put some effort and thought into creating these. My rule of thumb is they shouldn't really take you more than two to three hours to create. And it should be something that the person can use that same day that they get and see a benefit from. And to be clear, the benefit can be that their child has something to do for half an hour. That's a great benefit. Now, I use um, some really cool templates. If you're in my Writers Club Facebook group, not too long ago, I did a bingo sheet So I'm going to put the link to um, this fun template pack that I use for that. I think there's a word search and some other puzzle type stuff. Or you can just Google, you know, um, free maze generator or free word search generator or something like that if that's the type of thing you want to make. But there are things like those templates out there that are not very expensive Okay, moving on. Now let's talk about how you share it on social. So I know that a lot of us tend to share on Facebook because that's where we are already. And then a lot of us sort of migrated to Instagram because it's so much easier to get the engagement on Instagram. You feel like you're really reaching people compared to Facebook, but it's hard to make sales. It's hard to transfer that engagement to actual sales from Instagram. But your ideal audience likely is made up of moms, Uh, teachers, maybe like a combination, homeschool parents. And they are all hanging out on Facebook for the groups and the camaraderie and the jokes and the memes. So to connect with friends, online friends, but they're hanging out on Pinterest for ideas, right? Think about when you need a a birthday party idea or um, some kind of craft idea, you go to Pinterest, you don't go to Facebook. So it makes sense with this strategy to share those blogs that we wrote to a board that we create on Pinterest. Are you with me? So let's say we made an articles about money skills for kids, make a board, which a board on Pinterest is like a bunch of pins together. So make a board on Pinterest centered around that topic, like money, money skills for kids, and then you take some of your own blog articles and pin them. You take some uh, pins from the blog articles that you wrote. So it has your opt-ins in them, but it's, you're taking it from the other website and you're sharing that. And then you can also just sort of look on Pinterest and save some random pins that you see there to your board as well. And the beautiful thing about Pinterest is you're not expected to engage with them. You're not expected to hang out and interact. And they last, they last for a long time. The content lasts for a long time. It's basically a search engine. So if you use those keywords that you looked up in the AdWord keyword planner tool, whatever that was called, um, put those into your pin description. So they're going to come up in Google when people Google them from Pinterest too. Right now, of course you should post on your other channels on Instagram and on Facebook, or maybe to the stories, but pay attention to what happens. Like if you get no engagement, if people really don't care about it on Facebook and on Instagram, then you're really kind of wasting your time doing that. Instead, you could just have a conversation instead of really pushing it. You could say, Oh, I just made this and tried it with my kids. And it was so fun today. Or, Oh, I just read this great article. If you want, to let me know and I'll give you the link or something. A lot more conversational rather than um, transactional. Okay, so after people read the blog from wherever they found it from. They're going to read the blog. They're going to click the opt-in box and they're going to grab that thing that you offered them, right? So I walk you through on the video, how to click to a URL, but if you're just listening, you can upload, let's say it's a PDF, upload the PDF to Google, grab the link from the Google, and then put it into the URL with your email service in your email service provider. Like, um, when you fill, when you create the opt-in box after they put your email in this should be an option you could just put a url so that's the url from google i hope that made sense (laughs) okay so you do that even if it's a video file or a audio file you can still do that i do that too so after you do that let's think about user behavior even your own behavior my behavior. (laughs) If I'm killing time somewhere out in the boat in the world, which is really uh, not very often anymore, but let's just say in the before times I was doing that, uh, like in the lineup at the grocery store, waiting in my car to pick up kids or something like that, you're browsing on your phone, right? Sometimes you sign up for those freebies on your phone, but if it's a PDF or if it's an audio file, sometimes it's like poof, gone. You don't know where it went. You don't know how to find it again. So, this user behavior, which is not just me, right? This user behavior is makes it really easy to craft your first email. Your first email should go out immediately after they sign up, or let's say within an hour. And uh, you're just going to say, hey, hey there, you know, it might have disappeared, maybe you didn't get it, maybe you're on the go, maybe you, whatever. Um, So here it is for you again. See how nice I am? I just wanted to make sure you got it because I'm a person who keeps my word. It's the beginnings of your readers getting to know you and like you and trust you, which is, of course, what we always want. Now, some of you are probably thinking, thank you for that, Lori. That's great. Now I'll write to them to say hello again in about a month. (laughs) So again... I want you to think of your own user behaviors. Let's say you get a freebie. So you get some fantastic uh, author marketing freebie and you get an email sharing it with you. And then you don't hear back from that person. Let's assume you have no idea who that person is. You don't hear back from them for a month. Will you remember who they are? Will you remember what you got from them? Will you remember how you know them, where you met them? Will you wonder, how did this person get my email address? No. The answer is almost 100%. No, you won't. And it's same with your audience, your followers, your fans. Will they remember you in a week? Yes, most likely. <laughs> um I know it might feel yucky and the reason that it does is because we all are the victims of icky emails every day in our in our inbox and in our spam and our junk. And we think of how that makes us feel. It makes us feel icky and annoyed when we have to delete all those many, many, many Google forms offering us money, right? Um, So when we start thinking about sending weekly emails ourselves, we automatically transfer that icky feeling from our own inboxes to the emails that we're thinking about writing. But it really doesn't have to be that way. It, it really, really doesn't. So as an example, I'm just going to tell you because I've been concentrating a lot more on my own email writing and I actually do it for other people. So I got a DM last week and my friend said... um, she was like, Hey, are you writing so and so's emails now? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, how'd you know? And she said, Well, I noticed they're different and I actually read them now. And if that's not the highest compliment, I don't know what is. I'm not super salesy, but there's some selling stuff in there. And the, you know, the overall email, all the emails, they're interesting. I'm telling stories. I'm sharing insights. I'm making jokes because it's me. And so this is a friend who knew I was doing email writing. So she knew to ask me, but she's, you know, she's actually reading them now. And that's, that's the kind of emails that I want you to send. So in the companion class, I actually give you email templates. There's, I think nine in there, but if you're not in the companion class, I want you to grab your pens and paper right now and then just jot these notes down. Okay. So email number one is going to be like short, sweet, simple. Here's the thing. Here's the thing you wanted in case something happened. Second email is a bit of a, you know, all about me, but not boring, please, please, please. So like, welcome to my world. Here's a little bit about me. Nice to meet you. Number three is more of a, like a storytelling email. It's really just interesting. It's designed hopefully just to, you know, entertain them and keep them there with you, opening your emails. Your fourth email can be a little bit about your journey, maybe some aha moments along the way. And um, and then the fifth email, you know, a bit of a story and like some writing as well. But also, if you can, it would be great at this point to include some social proof. So that might be a screenshot of a review or a screenshot of something somebody said, or you can even just write it like, oh my gosh, I got the best compliment today and here's what it is. And then this one, you can also have a link to sell your book. So if you're really not comfortable with it, put it in the PS. Say, PS, in case you want to see what this person in that review is talking about, here's a special code for you if you want to grab it. Or if you grab it now through this link... Um, I'll give you this free thing, this bonus thing, this special thing, or you can do a two for one or just depending everybody's business is set up a little bit different and how they can do coupons and discounts and payments and things like that. But this is a great point to, to offer them something, right? And then my best advice, which I know you're not going to like, but (laughs) I promise I make this easy for you. You're going to want to send weekly emails. And it's not weekly by my book emails. It's weekly like, Hey, did you see the queen's gambit? We just powered through it in a weekend and it was amazing. And now I'm going to relate that story to a story about my own book or story about my own life. Um, Ferris Bueller. Does anybody remember Ferris Bueller? Because I was really thinking about how all he wanted to do was escape from his life. And all we all, everybody on the planet wanted to do was escape from 2020 this past year. How did you fare? You know, stuff like that. It's just conversational and interesting. So um if you do this, like if you keep these wee- weekly emails up, the next book you put out, you're going to have an audience ready and waiting and maybe willing to join your launch team, even you're not going to have to do the work over and over and over once a year, once every six months to try to, you know, generate this interest again. You're just going to have a built-in audience. It's fantastic. I know that it feels overwhelming and that's actually the, my inspiration behind a product I made. It's called Email of the Month Club it's only 10 dollars a month and you get four emails that you personalize and send out. You can pop them into your mailer or Light or your active campaign is easy easy. <laughs> Grab that at marketingforchildrensauthors.com and make sure to send me a cookie as a thank you. Okay, so last thing we're going to talk about here is how how you can generate income on your list using your email list other ways, like not just selling your books. So I think I said this before, It's really hard to have a good income from the royalties of just one book, right? Especially if it's just a so-so seller. But if you build this email list and you send them great conversational storytelling type emails, you know, interesting to read, you're going to be able to share offers with this list beyond just your book. And this is the true power. This is the true path to accelerating your income. So here's some examples. So you maybe have heard of things that other Um, that novelists often do. They do newsletter swaps. So in our situation, you know, I would tell my email list about your book. Like, hey, I just read this book with my kids. It was so good. This was the gist of it. And this is the age of my kid. And this is why they liked it. If you want to check it out, here's a link. And then you would tell your list about my book. So super common practice for all, almost all novelists, anybody who does email marketing anyway, but very few children's authors seem to do it. And I think it's because of that resistance to emailing up until this point, right? But really at the core of it, what is it? It's not being salesy. It's not being spammy. It's sharing great books, like great books with your own fans, and they appreciate that there's a million books out there. There's a billion books on Amazon. It's hard to pick, pick one sometimes. So they're going to appreciate, um, a recommendation from a trusted friend. And what it means in, you know, in return for you is you're going to be gaining new fans from your authors, your author friends list. So it's win-win something else you can do with your interest, your interest, your email list is, um, you can offer affiliate type things. So a really easy example. And in the companion class, I'm going to walk you through this actually. But uh, the Amazon affiliate program is super easy to set up and share. And you can make a little Amazon store. And then you can even put different lists together. So for example, for Valentine's Day, because that's coming up, you can put together a couple of books, maybe a couple of presents, maybe a stuffy, maybe some chocolate, all from Amazon. And then you share that list to to the things you've put together. And you share that with your list and you say, just putting together a few of my favorite Valentine's Day things for you or Valentine's Day cards. You share your affiliate code with them. Will you get rich because of this? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but it's a really easy... You You know, it's almost content in itself if you put those lists together and share it. And it's a really easy way just to beef up your income a little bit. Now, once in a while, I would say maybe once every two months, you can work in an email asking your list for referrals. So you're going to ask people, hey, if you really like my book, do you think you could share it with a friend? Here's a graphic if you want, here's something to say. And at the core of asking somebody to do something is you really have to make it obvious, you know, what's in it for them, right? So I mean, you can just say, hey, could you share this? And some will, but most won't until they're motivated properly, which is a little something for them. And it's not even, I mean, I'm not saying pay them. They're often willing to do it just for recognition or like a activity sheet or something like that. It doesn't have to be um, much of anything. It's just they they always need a little something, a little incentive, right? And people really like to be the hero for their friends. So if you offered, hey... Um, you know, if, if you can share you this with your friend, you can both tag me on this post, link it to Facebook. I'm going to send you both a special surprise in the email or, or on Facebook. Maybe it's a video to their children saying, thank you. Maybe it's a bonus coloring sheets, etc. cetera, but you're making it worth their while, like a little something for them, right? The last idea of something you can do to sell is pre-record a video of you reading your book. So do a really good job here. Um, I use iMovie and there's some transition effects and you can go between your face and your PDF of your book and you just have to film it once and then you can sell it over and over again. So whatever price you feel like is right for you. I don't know that parents would buy it, but I think that teachers would be super happy to, um, to pick that up and to share it with their, their classes online and in the classroom, right? Okay. So that's it for today. Tomorrow, we are back for the last day talking about the secret strategy. Uh, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow, everybody. Bye.